0: You guys are here tonight. We um, most, I think, every semester I've been on staff here, we've ended the semester with a praise and worship night. So it kind of feels it feels right to just take the chairs away and sit on the floor and get cozy. Um, I hope y'all are hanging in there with finals starting and everything. But thanks for coming tonight. We hope it blesses you. Um, Yeah. So I am going to kind of round out our series we've been doing called God's Playlist, and it's where we've looked at a bunch of different types of psalms. And so I know I personally have loved this series, and so I hope you guys have done the same. I feel like it's really um, just reminded me of the different types of psalms, and it's also kind of challenged me to pray and engage with the Lord through prayer in a different way. So I'm going to kind of bookend all of the things that we've talked about in a very short amount of time before we um, do some prayer and worship afterwards. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we will get started. God, thank you for tonight. Thank you that um, we can come and gather here in a place like Memorial Hall on a college campus. And because of your spirit, because of your presence, um, this room is turned into a very different place. It's no longer just a building on a campus, but it's a place where we can meet with you intimately. We can um, experience and know you, the God of the whole universe. Um, because... When we gather, you gather with us. And so I pray tonight, um, Spirit, would you do only what you could do? And I pray that through my words and through my different thoughts or questions or pictures or quotes, that you would inspire us, awe and wonder, and you would be preparing our hearts here and now, even my own, um, to to pray and to worship you for the remainder of the night. So would you do that through me? Would you make that possible? Um, And it's all in your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. All right. So, as you probably know and have experienced, um, we are naturally a people that love to praise and worship things, right? We kind of do it all throughout the day without even thinking about it. And typically, the things that we praise and worship are things we love. It comes very naturally. And so I'm going to have some examples, some pictures on the screen for my own personal life. But I want you to think for you, maybe it's something beautiful in creation. If you were here last week, Alan led us through a psalm about creation it's something beautiful that just captures your eyes. It's, it, it takes your breath away. You can't help but smile. You can't help but be impressed by just the magnitude of something in nature or um, different things that are out in the world. It's, it's something that just is captivating. Um, or maybe for you it's different places that you visited, different experiences you've had, whether in other cultures or with different people. Maybe it's different foods that you've tried if you're a foodie in the room. Um, there are just some things that remind us how big the world really is and how much there is to learn and explore, and it just, it can seem endless. Um, but it can also be different people that you're surrounded with, um, different events or moments that are just so fun, so glorious, and you just, your soul just feels full because you can't believe how much love you have for these people or how much love you receive from them. And so why do, you, why do we think that is, right? Why do great things make us feel this way? Um, why do we feel so happy whenever we think about people we love or awesome experiences? Things that make us feel small, but, you know, like in a good way. Um, things that make us pause and sort of take it all in, take stock of life. And I think one, just one of the reasons that is, is because things like that, it reminds us that we long for God's glory, and there's so much to be said about God's glory. I'm not even going to begin to even go there. Um, but I think it's because we, these things remind us that we long for God's glory. Uh, there's a quote from a book I'm reading right now that I think describes it in a way that was very new and different to me. She says, glory is all things meaningful, all things worthwhile, all things that quicken the pulse with joy and quicken the mind with sight. Glory is the shining joy the beauty, intelligence, and goodness of God himself. I think we, when we live in the world, we recognize God's glory around us, and that does something to our soul, right? It, it's what takes us from simply being thankful and grateful and admiring beautiful and amazing things or experiences, and it moves us, God's glory moves us into praising God for who he is to provide such things. So it causes us to think and ask the question, What must God be like if he creates things in the world that are that beautiful, right? If he creates the most beautiful sunrises, or if you're walking on the beach, or the most beautiful architectural structure you've ever seen? If he makes people that make things like that, if he makes things in creation like that, those are just products of him. What must he be like? Or it might be that we think about, okay, the world is finite, right? Like we know the world and and what it is and what is where. And if it can be full of such awesome creatures or experiences or people and cultures to meet, what what must God be like that he is infinite, right, and never-ending? What more is there to discover of him if that's how we feel in the world around us? Or when we think about the people that we love and the events that we love and get excited for, what could God be like if he says he is love and we just feel so full experiencing love with and through people that he has created and put here on earth? So I think I think to sum up that point, one of my favorite C.S. Lewis quotes I think does this really well. C.S. Lewis says that gratitude exclaims very properly, how good of God to give me this. Adoration says, what must be the quality of that being whose far-off and momentary coruscations are like this? One's mind runs back up the sunbeam to the sun. Right? It's this idea that whenever the sun is in the sky and we see the light shining, we're captured by the light, but the light isn't the thing that's worthy to be worshipped or adored, right? It's falling it back up to its source as the sun. But as you guys know, um, all of life is not just praising and adoring God for all of the lovely, wonderful things that we experience, right? Not everything immediately draws our attention and takes us back to God's glory because life with God is more than just experiencing moments of thankfulness and gratitude. It's also moments of heartache and despair and loss and suffering and fear and anxieties. And so what does it mean to praise God then? What about when we feel and pray things like Alan read a couple weeks ago from Psalm 13? Um, Psalm 13 said, how long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Or what about whenever we have emotions like Daniel talked about a couple weeks back, like fear and worry and anxiety and we are just afraid what do we do when our circumstances tell us that logic, when our circumstances tell our logic and our mind that all hope is lost, that life is not as it should be, that there can't be any good things left? What, what do we do then? I think the answer that we get, particularly from the book of Psalms, is that in order to praise, we must pray. The book of Psalms teaches us that in order to praise, we must pray. That idea comes from a quote from Eugene Peterson in a book. He says, All prayer pursued far enough becomes praise. Any prayer, no matter how desperate its origin, no matter how angry and fearful the experiences it traverses, ends up in praise. It does not get there quickly or easily. The trip can take a lifetime, but the end is always praise. So you might be thinking, What? How? Like, how does that work? How is all prayer pursued far enough lead us to praise? But let me ask you this, right? When we're drowning in our own sin, who is the one inviting us to come to him and confess our sin to prayer, in prayer? What must God be like to invite sinners like you and me to come to him with our sin and our shortcoming? It's a holy yet compassionate and merciful and gracious and forgiving and loving God that awaits us. When our circumstances are overtaking us, when we feel like we are drowning in life, who is inviting us to cast all of our anxieties on him? It's a God that calls himself our refuge and our strength. It is a God that says he knows the number of hairs on our head, who says he hems us in behind and before what about when the world's harshest realities of suffering and injustice seem to just close in on us, and it seems like the hardship in us and around us is never going to end? Who says to look to him for hope and for peace? It is a God who, who rules and has conquered over sin and death and promises to one day return again and to make it all right. See, prayer helps us see that our circumstances and our feelings are not actually the ultimate reality but that God is. And so this doesn't mean that our feelings don't matter. It doesn't mean that he doesn't want them. It doesn't mean that we should just tell ourselves to get over it. But what it means is that God and the work he has done and is doing is the ultimate reality. And we get to that through prayer. It's it's seeing who God is in the midst of a broken world that leads us to praise him as the only constant one, the only all-powerful one, the only loving one, and the only almighty one. And sometimes that still doesn't feel enough. And I think what we do then is we, we lean into the gift of practicing corporate praise and worship with other people. It's doing things like tonight that help us move from a place from despair to a place of hope. Again, not just because we're trying to exchange feelings, but what we're doing when we do things like this is we're coming and we're fixating on what is spiritually true And we're letting other people lead us and guide us and trusting the Holy Spirit to usher us into that as we proclaim it over our own lives in faith. What I love about the book of Psalms, all 150 of them, is that the Psalms are are prayers for real people living real life, just like you and me and what we've seen in our series of God's playlist is that there are hymns to sing and to pray when life is going so well when we're at those weddings with friends and when we're watching that sunset with family and we feel so full there are hymns and prayers and songs in the book of psalms to pray but we also saw that there are prayers of lament when we are in distress when sin strikes when suffering doesn't cease there there are psalms of lament for that too And we saw that there are prayers of thanksgiving when we experience God rescuing us from those laments and rescuing us from those troubles. We remember the hope we have in those Psalms. So the book of Psalms is for people just like me and you, just like me and you, who need to be reoriented back to God and back to his glory, right? Back to his glory to praise him for who he is, to see him for who he is, because Being reoriented back to God is accurately seeing him for who he is despite what is happening within us and around us and to therefore long again for more and more of his glory. And so if you've read the book of Psalms, you might know that it ends with psalms of praise. And not just one, but with five. Five in a row. It's this great climactic end to this entire book of worship. And so naturally that's how we're going to end our series tonight, but also our semester tonight. The band is going to come up and they have prepared an awesome set list for us to kind of just usher, it, usher us in to a night of prayer and worship. But before we do that, it would be fitting to read a psalm, right? <laughs> it would be silly for me to talk about psalms of praise and worship without reading one first. And so the one we're going to read tonight to close is actually Psalm 150. And what this psalm does is it beautifully leads not just us in this room, but the entire world. It leads all of creation in praising God for his might and his power, for his works and for his goodness and for all that he is. This psalm leads us to praise God for his glory. The glory that we see and experience here now in the world around us and the glory of his character and the glory that we long for. As we wait for the world to be made whole again. And so Reese is actually going to read us that psalm um, as a prayer. Not just as a, a demonstration, but he's going to read this as a prayer for us. And that's going to move us into um, to some time of actual worship and prayer. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud crashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord.